Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is smart glasses in the warehouse with my friend, Paul Travers. Paul is the founder and CEO of Vuzik, a leading designer, manufacturer, and marketer of smart glasses and augmented reality technologies. Every warehouse needs to do more with less. Paul and the Vuzik team can help. Their smart glasses enable companies to improve quality, streamline production, and reduce costs. Smart glasses from Vuzik are easy to use, and they actually look great. They look like regular consumer glasses, sunglasses. The future is now. Check out my conversation with Paul Travers. How's it going, Paul? It's it's going awesome, Joe. Thanks. And thanks, by the way, for asking us to be on your blog. This this is going to be fun, I think. I am very excited to have you on the podcast. So, um, Paul, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yeah, I'm in. I'm the president of Vuzix Corporation. We're a public company. Uh, NASDAQ, V-U-Z-I is our symbol for anybody that might be interested in that. We're in Rochester, New York, corporate headquarters. We do have offices around the world, though. Um, what we do is we make smart glasses that are used in a lot of different areas of the world today from, from the warehouse, which is part of the reason why we're here, right on through to the operating theater. There's probably not an hour of the day that goes by where our glasses aren't being used in some operating theater someplace. So we're used all over, the, all over the world today in a lot of different fields. Warehousing supply chain is one of the areas where they're really starting to pick up. And what would be some other areas where you would use them? Well, a, a good example we were talking a little bit earlier is in, in personal health care. Uh, we have these new pair that we're coming out with. They're called ultralights. Uh, in fact, I can, I think I can open up the case and show you really quickly here. Since this is a visual-based thing. Those are nice-looking glasses. They aren't geeky. No, and they're smart. They have displays built into them. They're Bluetooth connected to a computer or whatever it might be. So if you're in a warehouse, it could be a wrist scanner. So you're doing the picks, the pick lists are coming up in the glasses. You don't have to look down at your wrist, that kind of stuff. But they can also be used for people that are hearing impaired or people that need language translation because if it's tied to your phone, the phone's listening. Literally every word that you say, Joe, will come up in text in the glasses. So if I'm a hearing impaired person, I, you know, I have the glasses on and literally they become my ears through my eyes, of course. And there's many, many, many people. And the Americans veterans today, there's three and a half million hearing impaired folks that could use these kinds of glasses to have a better life. Yeah, and of course, just for gaming and, and augmented reality and connecting the digital world to the real world. I mean, this is the beginnings of the future of computing in general. Yeah, and I, I'm sure there's military applications, but um, I think about this all the time is uh, I heard Joe Rogan, the podcaster, talk about this not so long ago. He said, you know, if you were, wanted to make us at some point put a chip in everybody's head or in their arm, um, the first step would be, say, take all the information out of your head and put it in this computer, <laughs> which is what we've been doing for the last 25 years. And um, and now you're starting to see people wear personable wear. My daughter wears a whoop. And I think I'm going to get one of those whoop uh, things, the bracelet that tells you, um, you know, all your vital signs. A lot of people are wearing the Apple watches that do the same. And 
this this makes so much sense because when we talk about warehousing, we're always bringing new people on. Plus, we do have people who speak English as a second language. Sure. Plus, um, we're trying to be more efficient and more effective. We have to we have to augment uh, them with the best tools we can give them, and that's usually information. And these glasses bring that in spades. And when you add into that the ability to drop AI, artificial intelligence, on top of it, it becomes game changing kinds of things for folks. Uh, just trying to pack a pallet. I have an example, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit here, but you can give people superhuman capabilities with these glasses and allow them to interface much better with automation equipment that might be around them. They can be much safer to be in a warehouse while you're having these glasses on with horse trucks around just because they can be aware of what's around you. There's a lot of reasons why this technology is going to be game changing, not just in the warehouse, but specifically in the warehouse. Oh, I just was thinking about just all these weird applications. You just mentioned safety. Um, if you've ever been in a, um, a warehouse where you see some of those um, forklifts are moving pretty quick and people get hit and they have all sorts of rules around it. And the very best ones do exceptionally well at it, but it's still there are still accidents. If you could have that um, glass somehow prevent one injury per year, that's worth it. Well, the glasses are Wi-Fi based, and so they know can know where they are inside a facility. And you can also geotag the the trucks, and so you can know where everything is. So they can almost have a digital shield around them, where you could actually stop the truck before it got close enough if the sensors didn't already pick up on them. Yeah, and I think about like when a truck arrives at the dock and you say, I need a hand to uh, make that happen. If I got notification, hey, the truck is the truck has arrived, the one we've been waiting for, I could be I could be a quarter mile away in the in the warehouse and go, oh, okay, I gotta head back there. Not that we can't make a phone call or stuff with that, but it's nice when you have uh, maybe get a, a message or an alert that comes on my on my phone. Well, we'll talk more about some of these applications in a minute. Tell us uh, before we go any further. Who are your ideal customers? Who are you working with right now? Yes, uh, that's a really good question. Um, you had mentioned earlier the defense markets. It's got to be applications in defense. Well, there, there are a very large number of them from from night vision systems to targeting systems to friend or foe to flying drones over the hill and seeing what they're seeing, uh, et cetera. In, in this case, we work directly with some of the largest defense companies out there. We put a press release out with around L3 Harris partnership that we have. So in those cases, those customers are directly with the defense. And the reason why they like coming to Vuzix, which we didn't talk about this, Joe, we manufacture all of our products right here in Rochester, New York. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, thank you. The optics, these really advanced optics that are so difficult to manufacture that require semiconductor equipment processing to do it. Vuzix has developed all of our own equipment to do it. We can do it in high volume at amazing price points and right on through to the finished products. So some of the other companies that we work with, I mean, we've put out press releases on with companies like Amazon. Uh, there's a bunch of big guys like Amazon that I can't talk about, but I can give some examples. Of You're some working of with large warehousing companies. Some of the largest ones out there today and some small ones too. I mean, you know, as we were saying earlier, 55% of warehouses today use paper and pen. Some of them don't even have barcode scanners yet. So 
there's a lot of room for growth for smart technology in a world where there's huge turnover in people. Not everybody aspires to retire from pallet packing, by way of example, right? So, but to do that, you need the glasses, very important part, and then also software running on the glasses and integrates with the WMS and the backend systems and stuff. And so we, we literally work with the end customer and we often work with system integrators with software vendors at the same time. So it's often a, a full system level solution that gets installed in lots of places. We also have our own warehousing picking software solutions with a firm called Moviant that we bought maybe a year ago. Very nice. Very nice. So let's talk a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights. I know you've had a long career. We talked about before we hit record, but give us the short, the short version where you grew up, where you went to school, some career highlights before you started. I'm going to hope I get the name right. Viewzik. Viewzix. Viewzix. All right. <laughs> and that's V-U-S-I-X. I can spell it. V-U-Z-I-X. Z-I-X. Oh, God, I'm sorry. V-U-Z-I-X. It's a difficult, it's one of the more challenging parts of our name, quite frankly. Which you guys have done well with it. You don't want to lose it. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, we know this one's, it's viable. It's no trademark violations. We own the thing. So, so I grew up actually in northern New York, way up in the woods. Um, my first job was working for the U.S. Navy, making tracking systems for submarines. I worked there for a year. My son came along. Eastman Kodak hired me. I worked for Kodak for five years, making the coolest multi-megapixel digital cameras on the planet Earth. I mean, these things were super high resolution. You needed a VAX computer to get the data off of them. It was like that. But it was really early in the game, and Kodak was so focused on film that I decided to leave, and I started a company making sound cards in my basement. Built and sold that to Advanced Micro Devices with another partner. Then I built a universal. Oh, AMD is a major player. They're still the probably the very best at that, aren't they? In fact, they're even kicking Intel's butt these days. They they really have. They're a major player in the in the CPU industry today, for sure. Very nice. So, what was next? Then I built a universal serial bus connectivity product lines of products actually, and sold it to Belkin. At the time. You might remember this is how long ago it was. There was no USB to begin with. It was parallel ports and serial ports, and you'd plug the printer into the great big parallel port thing. Then everything went to USB, and all of these cables needed CPUs in them and software to make them talk. And and so I built a company that did that. And Belkin, who makes most cables on the planet Earth today, bought that company. And then I made the world's first virtual reality head-mounted display company in a company called Forte Technologies. If you look it up, you see it's a big, VFX1 was the name of it. It's a big black headset that, quite frankly, it does much of what an Oculus does today. It's, it had a hand controller so you could drive around inside and shoot the bad guys, and it had the stereo displays and head tracking. I'm a recovering gamer, so don't talk about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it worked with a lot of John Carmack's games, too. In any event, I bought that company back and started Vuzix in 1997. So we've been at this now for quite some time, making wearable displays. And we started in a focus in the defense space, which we were talking a little bit about earlier. But the common theme for those guys was, I want lightweight and I want fashion forward. So they were asking us, can you make Oakley style sunglasses so we can replace our tough books? 
the tough book was the computer that they were using at the time. In fact, I, I still think they use Panasonic, Panasonic tough books. So they'd light them, they'd open them up, light up like a Christmas tree at night, yada, yada. We want to get rid of all that, Paul. We want a pair of glasses that look like Oakley style sunglasses, which is finally, after all this time, where we're very close to. So from there, we went focused on the enterprise space, lightweight, truly wearable. And that's what's different about our products to most of our competitors. Today, our products are ounces. They're not occluded. They're designed to work in the real world. Um, you, you know, as you can see these, they look very fashion forward. If you had a warehouse that was actually your front store, you could give this to an employee and they wouldn't feel like they were a cyborg while they were wearing the gear. You look normal with our glasses on. Um, and so it's taken years to get to this point. And this is the very beginnings of the curve where the whole world is starting to adopt wearable smart glasses kinds of technology. And it's the guys that can make that fashion forward, that look that people will really want in a highly functional device are the folks that will win in this game. And it's only taken us 26 years to get to that point. Yeah. And by the way, I don't have a good stat on this. And I wish somebody would provide it, but I do believe that, over 50% of the warehousing companies have one location, which worked very well in the past, one location. So if you have one location, it's hard sometimes. It, it might be a huge location. Maybe you have tons of business and you can invest in all the tech. But I think for same day, next day, you need um, a warehousing provider that has multiple locations. I think we're starting to see that. I think also... If you're going to be as efficient as we want them to be and as effective as we want them to be, they're going to have to invest in tech. And you said something, 55% of warehousing companies are still using Excel, paper and pencil, um, you know, antiquated ways of doing business. And um, it just doesn't cut it anymore. I mean, in the same day, next day world that we're living in, the expectations are so high. Not only, Jack, Joe, you, you have employees that, I mean, look, I mean, not a lot of people retire from this job. It's, it's pretty simple, right? So there's a very high turnover. A, a reasonable number of folks don't even have English as their first tongue. You're giving them jobs that, quite frankly, it's not as simple as it sounds where you just fill a basket. If you're, a, for instance, a person that's responsible for pallet packing, you got to be able to pack that pallet. 100% full so that when you put it on the truck, you're not underpacked. You think about the shipping costs go up 20% if you're 20% unpacked with every pallet. Not to mention the fact that you don't want inventory loss. So you got this brand new employee and he's putting the cornflakes in the bottom of the pallet pack. And then on top of that, he's putting the water. Right. Well, by the time it shows up at the store, nobody's going to buy those cornflake boxes because they're all beaten up. and this is a job that takes weeks to learn how to do right. You don't just throw a person on and then they understand how to pack the perfect pallet. I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch this stupid show and they were doing races as to how fast a person could pack a, a, um, at the checkout of paper, brown paper bag, right? There were people, it was perfectly packed, right? It took that person years to learn that skill years. And it's not different for pallet packing. And guess what? Once the person's learned it, they've moved on to something else. And so the turnover is super high. 
you give them our glasses and with an AI engine running on the glasses, which is some of the software partners that we have that do this, they, the software knows every single thing that's going to get put on that palette. And so the picker simply picks up a box, does a scan, and the glasses show him exactly where to put it on the palette. So 10 minutes into the job, once he's learned how to use the glasses, he is a proficient palette packer. And now he just gets good at going faster and they can gamify that and makes it very exciting for the employee because he's working with this brand new technology that turns him into, into a superman and he can pack as good as a guy that's been doing it for three years. So it's this kind of stuff that makes it exciting for new employees, very fast to train new employees, which is all part of this whole, what am I going to do? I don't have a, such a supply of people that I used to have to do these jobs. So, um, I know it definitely what you just talked about is a great application is packing pallets better is as we know, as you mentioned, we don't want to ship air. So if I, if I didn't, if I'm not efficient on the way I pack pallet, I've screwed myself up, but also I have to be, I have to get it done pretty quick. I have to get it done quick, but I have to get it done right. So if somebody says, oh yeah, I packed a perfect pallet, but it took me three hours to do it and the other guy's yeah. doing it in 20 minutes, that's a problem. But also, let's just say I'm picking sweaters. I always use sweaters as an example. And let's just say I go and I'm supposed to grab a blue sweater. Does that, will it catch me from if I'm grabbing the red one? Um, or would it let me identify the blue one as the correct one? How, how does it work in that situation? It very well can do exactly that. It can identify the color. It can know whether or not you picked five versus four. It can know if you mispicked out of the wrong bin. With vision picking, literally the glasses are on and it highlights on the shelf the bin you're supposed to pick out of. That's the only green one. Everything else you look at is red. So the error rates go way down. So if you think about that with Amazon, the amount of stuff they get back that they actually often say, just keep it. If they miss shit. Right? Errors are expensive. Yep. And by the way, before we hit record, we were talking about this as a common theme on my podcast. I say it more than anything is this is a very difficult job. And I always ask people, are you raising people to work in warehouses? Um, are you raising someone to drive those trucks? These are difficult jobs that no one's particularly aspiring to. Um, we're going to have to change a little bit of that. We have to make these better jobs. And that means this has to become a job that's the first step on a supply chain career. And we were at some point you go, oh, this dude worked at a warehouse. He understands all the technology. He understands how a good warehouse works. Yes, I'd love to work with him on the next step in his career. If it's just walk around and be a strong back, I would rather go do DoorDash. I'd rather drive a lift than do that job. We have to make these better jobs and tech is one great way to do it. Everybody that I shouldn't say everybody, some of the older folks, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. I'm a bit of an older guy myself, but <laughs> if you give a guy, I relate to that. <laughs> yeah, if you give a guy that's been doing it forever, it's different. It's not necessarily in the game for them, but you give this to a young person. They're just learning. They're just getting in the game. They absolutely love the fact that they're using this cool new technology. And the cool new technology helps them perform better, less errors, the counts are right, everything. I mean, so they love oh, it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. By the way, have you ever seen, uh, now my, my 
my kids are old enough that they didn't see mobile phones when they were babies. Have you ever seen a, like a little kid, like a baby, a two, three-year-old with a mobile phone? It's as if they somehow were born with the ability to use it. <laughs> it's, and they quickly start saying, where's the games? Like they know there's games on there. I want the games. You're like, what? Like, so, so you're right. The younger people who come into the a warehouse, I think they have an expectation that tech should be used in this application. And if it's not here, they're going to go somewhere where there is. That's, that's a selling point. And there's lots of places that are starting to adopt it. So I think that shift's happening for sure. Yep. So um, let's switch gears and talk a little bit more about your smart. So anyway, getting back to it, we have a labor shortage that's coming. It's maybe already here for a lot of sectors. And I think uh, when there's lots of good jobs, people are going to say, well, I don't want to do, I don't want to do hard work. I don't want to walk around in a warehouse. So we have to make those, we have to make these better jobs. But um, let's talk about why these make this better job. What, why, why invest in this? I'm assuming there's an investment cost. We don't have to talk about that right now. But am I going to get an ROI on this stuff? You do immediately. Uh, we've got a white paper on our website. And Joe, we can give you a link to that. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. So I check that out. And it It's a study on the kinds of ROIs you get. And literally, in some places, 50, 60% faster picking rates. And error rates dropping to zero. But the bigger, big things alongside that is this whole idea of onboarding. It's, it's really quick to have a person picking pallets, picking and packing pallets by way of example. Um, it's, it's not months worth of learning time. It's like almost instant that, you know, you can bring somebody up to speed. So the glasses with the right software running on those glasses allow you to get a significant ROIs and higher safety levels because you're able to communicate with the rest of the digital systems that are in a warehouse today. So we have companies that use our glasses for the warehouse picking side of the equation. And then at the same time within their robot assist warehouses, they use our glasses for the support and maintenance of the robots. You got, oh, you got young cool. folk. Yes. You have a young folk that person that's they're technical oriented, but this maybe is a, a new robot system they're not used to. They can put the glasses on with this 4K broadcast quality camera. They can stream what they're seeing to an expert technician that's sitting wherever they might be in a nice air-conditioned office somewhere. That's crazy. And it's literally like that technician was transported into the warehouse to help do the repairs on whatever the equipment. They're looking over your shoulder. <laughs> looking over your shoulder. You, you can draw on the screen. He can draw. The expert can draw on his screen. And the view through the technician's eyes who's doing the work, he can literally see, oh, I got to unscrew this screw first kinds of stuff. Yeah. I think I'm, my master's degree is in education. I went there after many years working in engineering. And I've always said... What we all want is just in time training. I don't want to take my team and say, hey, go down the hall and learn about this problem that will happen at some point in your life, right? I want them to get the training or the instructions when they encounter it. That's that I don't need the training until I need the instructions for doing it. And this is what we're getting to. Yeah, well, the glasses can also be worn by the expert before he retires. And while he's wearing them, they can record 
the sessions of him doing the maintenance and repair on certain things. And they can use AI to access that information and remotely push it. So you can do two things. Uh, you were, we were talking earlier about how it was getting harder to get up and exercise and it would be difficult climbing up on some of this equipment for a guy that's in his 60s who would rather be retired, but he's got all this domain knowledge, information on how to do these repairs. And so you give the person the glasses that's a young guy, but he's not familiar with the equipment. That expert can either beam in and help or through AI share his previous experiences to help that person fix the air conditioning unit or the conveyor belts or the whatever it might be. I've had people on my podcast previously talk about um, remote driving of forklifts. So you get a guy who says, hey, I just want to spend time at the lake and uh, fish, and I want to do that most of the time. And then somebody says, well, would you mind driving a forklift for us eight, eight hours a week? Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't, I'm not driving back from, uh, you know, from up north to come down to do that in the city, right? Um, so we're getting to a place where, and I think we've also talked about on my podcast, remote, uh, more mechanics being in an office in a cubicle where they say, I can do, um, I can, I can work on a lot of the fleet maintenance issues remotely because um, a lot of it's communication. And then if I can communicate with tools like this, you extend careers and you let those older guys who should be in a position where they can share their knowledge, but they can sit at a desk, a cubicle uh, and not kill themselves when they're 65, 70 years old. <laughs> the thing of it is, Joe, it's voice and it's two-way video and it's like, it's, it's the ultimate communications and it's all hands-free, which is critical in these jobs. Well, when you're driving the fork truck, you're driving the fork truck, but <laughs> Another good example in that, by the way, is in healthcare, we have a pair of these glasses. We work with a company called Sign Glasses, and you can hire an, an ASL interpreter, American Sign Language interpreter. They can sit at a monitor just like I'm doing this with you right now, and they could be sign languaging to me, and I've got my glasses on, and I'm seeing that sign language doing the translation for the things that you were saying on the fly. Now, if you think about that for students that need ASL, yet the ASL person has to be, the interpreter has to be in the school all day long, tagging along with the student, or they could just log into a phone call effectively and join the class remotely. So that becomes a remote service, almost like an Uber kind of a thing where, you know, it's not, taxis aren't really taxis, they're cars and people can at any time put their Uber sign out. This becomes this sort of remote capability to log in and be an ASL interpreter for people anywhere, anytime. Yeah. Yeah. So what we have is employees being more effective, more efficient, getting a good ROI on this investment, but also being able to now um, bring in people who speak English as a second language so seamlessly because I can uh, I can put Spanish or Russian or whatever onto that phone. Um, onto, I should say onto the eyeglass. Yeah, you can do it. You can do it both ways. You, you, they can do it with their personal phones tied into these glasses over a Bluetooth connection or our smart glasses that have all the processing power in them. You can just load it right into the glasses themselves. They don't need a network connection. Right. And then we also have the ability to maybe extend careers a little bit where you say, hey, I, I really need your help, but I'm not going to make you walk around on this this job all the time. Have a, have a seat. You got a, day, a desk job, which makes life a little easier. But we're gonna we're gonna pick your brain and um, 
use that expertise in your last five, 10 years of your career. I love it. So um, we talked a little bit about the where. Now we're talking about warehousing film because that's what I do. And I know you guys do a lot uh, outside of this. Um, are you using it in the logistics functions beyond warehousing and fulfillment? Beyond logistics in general? Well, I should, should say, I, I'm thinking of warehousing and fulfillment as one one uh, silo. Another silo would be the more the transportation, logistics side, the trucking, the terminals, all that kind of stuff. I mean, for maintenance and repair, these things can be used all over the place. You can imagine the front end of a logistics supply chain, which is a store, right? And today... I will admit glasses like to see this guy wearing right here. It's a bit cyborg looking for a storefront. And but that's not too ugly. <laughs> no, it's not. Thank you. But compared to these, you know, these, any associate could put these glasses on and you would not know a person. You don't know. Those don't, those don't look like any other regular. They look like regular sunglasses. Yeah. They, and they, we have clear versions of them. You can get them with your prescriptions built into them at the same time. So, um, you know, there's that side of it also, where it's the front end of the warehouse, which is actually the store itself. Um, it's new for this whole industry, quite frankly, and there's lots of places, but the low hanging fruits are distribution centers, are things like, you know, pallet packing, are things like picking in large warehouses. It, you know, those are the kinds of things that are kind of driving the ship at this moment. Um, and that's a lot for music. So we got our hands full. And just in that side of it. So that said, there's a lot of other places in the world. Like this is just beginning to. Yes. I mean, in medical, we work with companies like Medacta and Pixie with ophthalmic and knee surgeries and shoulder surgeries. And they're used as an integral part of the operation. You have the glasses on, they're looking at the person's knee and they're ensuring that the, that the, the staging before you put the pins in the person's knee is correct so that they get put in in the right place in the right angles. Fundamental part of the operating thing. Yeah. You could also kind of say if I was a, a new surgeon, somebody again, remotely could be watching and saying that's correct. Um, or if something went wrong with that, you go back and say, Hey, we went back and we were able to look at that, that video of what, that surgery was and said, did we do something wrong is, or was this some, you know, another cause to this AI and surgery is going to be big, Joe. And, and the, the data that can get collected through a pair of smart glasses, like I said earlier, there's not a day, an hour in the day that goes by where our glasses aren't being used in some operating theater someplace. And there's all kinds of HIPAA compliant requirements and stuff about recording videos and the like, but the amount of information that you can collect, that's going to be super beneficial for future operations by being able to draw down from that information, success outcomes, making them better, what worked, what didn't work, you know, those kinds of things are, it's, it's game changing for that whole industry. And we work with companies like Pix, uh, Proximy. They're doing very similar stuff to that today. Uh, Medacta, I think I mentioned them. Remote surgeries, we work Doctors Without Borders. You were mentioning that just earlier where you got a professional doctor helping another doctor in the middle of South Africa, let's say. So yes, the applications are numerous and they're they're just super exciting in medical along with all the other places. And I will remind everybody when we talk about a solution like this, it isn't just if, if I learn something, if I see something, the AI and sees it everywhere. So if I have deployed 500 pairs of those glasses in that warehouse, when 
I update one, I've updated them all. When I learn something new in a, one location, it's across the board. So it's the learning becomes exponential in these systems. Yeah, it even gets bigger than that because they're cloud connected, right? So the entire cloud is at your beck and call for doing things in AI that are just going to be amazing. So talk about AI for a second, because before we hit record, you were talking about the, you know, this enhanced capability using AI. How does that work? You have the glasses on, you're looking at an object, the camera goes out to the web and you say, where was that made? The glasses come back, tells you where it was made. Contextual information comes up next to it and says, that was made in China or it was made in a third world country by kids that are that were abused or, you know, whatever, all the data where that came from. By the way, that that compliance is increasingly important for U.S. companies and but they're not just U.S. companies, all companies, I think. Want to make sure I didn't buy it from somebody I wasn't supposed to buy it from. Uh, there was no um, forced labor in it. Um, there's there, We have right now, I think we're not allowed to buy from Russia. We're not allowed to buy from Iran, but there's also parts of China that we're not provinces in China we can't buy from. So we need to know that not just from a compliance with the U.S. rules, but also consumers don't want to find out. And by the way, nor does any of these major companies want to find out that, oh, yeah, we uh, used a one itty bitty little part that was forced labor. And now our whole reputation in the market is tarnished. The other thing you can do with AI. We could be having this conversation and maybe I'm a reporter and you're a politician and on the fly, I could be fact checking every single thing you said. <laughs> that, I think I think we all know they're lying right now. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't come out g- good for many, but <laughs> it's kind of fun. By the way, I, I think also we have the ability, I think, already to be able to and judge facial features on people and see, um, is that person tense? Is that person deceiving me? Um, And I think you mentioned the medical applications. I know doctors are always looking at people's face to see uh, what's going on. And um, some are probably better at at it than others. But once we start to say that is all part of the best practice library inside that system, and you say, that guy's blinking funny, or that guy's twitching in a, a way that maybe there's something else wrong. 100%. That's all the kinds of things that the digital world's going to bring to humanity to make it better. I love it. I love it. So I, I've already gone over my time with you. I apologize. But um, before we go, give me your final thoughts on this smart glasses in the warehouse. Put a big bow on this one, Paul Travers. It's just getting started, Joe. We're learning what works and what doesn't work. Things are getting better and better. We have next generation products coming right behind the ones that we have today. And it's an unending pile of opportunities and changes that are coming in this space. There's lots of challenges in supply chain today. As you were saying earlier, people, access to the people to bring them on board, onboarding, efficiencies that need to go up, doing more with less, and smart glasses are going to be a fundamental part of how that all unfolds over the next three to five years. It's exciting times for smart glasses in the warehouse. I, did, I didn't ask earlier, so I want to ask now. Let's just say somebody listens on the podcast and says, Paul, I absolutely positively want to do this. How long does it take? I call you today. How long does it take till we're using this at my warehouse? It depends upon the warehouse 
in some places it can be almost used immediately in other places based upon the complexity of the system they have on the back end and what they want to do there's more of an integration time so we're trying to get this down to it's just like pick up the barcode scanner and you can start using it which that should be the case here coming up with our really fashion forward glasses tied into with things like zebra scanners and the like so it's going to get easier and easier it used to be it was a half a million dollars at least for a single instance for a proof of concept <laughs> so it's way beyond that now we're working with companies like TeamViewer and ox uh, logistaview and these guys now it's almost like just turning the turning the pump man They're, it's very easy for them to integrate and install and so i'm assuming you connect to all the latest and greatest warehouse management systems not all of them only the best ones is that what you're telling me <laughs> like sap and the likes yes well, let me say team viewer um right now their software integrates they bought a company called ubmax that was working with views except they they work with most of the wms systems that are out there so almost anything that's out there you can plug and play with today excellent excellent so i'm going to try and say this one more time the music zix Six fusics. All right. Bingo. <laughs> is, is, is that part of like when you're hiring people, do you say you, you make sure they can pronounce the name? <laughs> no, no I, I, they figure it out sooner or later. There's still some people here at Vuzix that don't know how to pronounce my last name. And I thought Trappers was pretty simple. So <laughs> right. um, that's this is excellent. And it's funny, I, th I think we're starting to see all warehouse, all software everywhere seems like the integrations are happening so much faster than it used to happen. Um, it seems as everybody's building their software with the idea that it has to connect to uh, not only other softwares, but also the, the hardware like you guys are creating. 100%. And the other piece, just one last point I'd make is we also own a, our own warehousing software provider company called um, Moviant. And Moviant runs with our glasses. And with them, based upon what you're trying to do, offline warehouse picking it's almost a drop-in plugged in place simple well that makes a lot of sense for the people who haven't quite got that warehouse management system yet is you you get it all in one fell swoop yes we're trying to make it easy and by the way that's also i know some people would say that's also just one throat to choke or in the case of uh, your company one back to pat it's a hundred percent correct <laughs> so i like to interview rock stars like you people are killing in the space who else should I interview? I would recommend one of the senior folks from the three warehousing companies I just mentioned, and quite frankly, Moviant. So there's Moviant, and I can get you a name for each one of these. Moviant, Ox, Logistaview, and TeamViewer. Those All four right. companies, I think, would bring a lot. Any one of them would bring a lot to this conversation, I'm sure. Well, I know I know you have. It's, it's we, we, I keep thinking... Um, I still would walk through warehouses now that don't look right, very high tech. They're dirty. They're they're dark. There's stuff on the shelves that's been there since 1945. That used to be the norm. Now it's the exception. I think this industry is just. I mean, we've had to. The the industry had to upgrade. The expectations from our customers just went through the roof, and it's so exciting to see all the new tech companies and all companies like yours that are moving in and upgrading. Uh, an old space. 100%, man. I agree. So what conferences will we see you and the fine folks from View Zix? 
at. <laughs> Joe, you're catching on. The Consumer Electronics Show is our next big one. Uh, Augmented World Expo. We just went to AES down in Texas. We do the logistics shows. There's a new one coming up you had just mentioned. Uh, Manifest. I, I suspect you guys are already there, but I will make sure I introduce you to Pam and Courtney because that's fantastic. It's out in Vegas. In fact, it's in Vegas in February. From what I know about Rochester, New York, it's not warm in February. It's not warm here in Michigan either, so we will all be in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I might see you there, Joe. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Uh, well, what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, a link to your website. You had that white paper. Hopefully you can get us that link too. Any other links you and your marketing team have, we will put those in the show notes so people can reach out and talk to you. And thank you so much, Paul, for taking the time. Sounds great, Joe. Thanks again also. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.